Patrick Hoops from the Carlton Footy Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Dane Zorko here from the Brisbane Lions. Jason Johannesson from the Western Bulldogs. Luke Parker here from the Sydney Swans. It's Roy Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Max Wall and Melbourne Football Club. This is Matt Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. One of the most important weeks of your fantasy footy year is coming up, especially if you play Dream Team or Super Coach. Your prices are about to change, which is good news for your cash cows potentially, though. If your premiums have had a little bit of a pear-shaped start, this could be your chance to jump off them, and we will talk about that in depth and plenty of other things as we look at this week's Coaches Panel Midweek Trade and Strategy Podcast. You've got MJ, and joining me on the line, I've got Rids. Hello, mate. How are you? Hey, buddy. How you going? I'm good, man. And uh, the man that lives everywhere across this great southern land, I've got Rain Man. Hello, mate. How are you? Yeah, going well, MJ. Thank you. No, lads, there's plenty of stuff to talk about. And while it is a, a crucial week for all fantasy formats, it's Dream Team and Supercoach that you're about to get your first price changes in AFL Fantasy Every single week, you're getting price changes, whereas Dream Team and Supercoach, it's on a three-week cycle. We'll talk about cash cows in a moment. Uh, I want to get a trade priority from you guys a, a little bit later on in terms of helping coaches understand what's the greater priority, fixing trades versus getting of premiums versus getting the right cash cows. I want to talk about that. Nobel Coel. Our Patreons have got some questions. If you want to join the Patreon army, you can do that and pledge your support at patreon.com forward slash coaches panel before we get any further into the podcast let's talk for for both of you guys probably the biggest talking point for coaches of super coach dream team and afl fantasy i think rids maybe we'll start with you is how do we know as a fantasy coach how do we identify which premiums are the ones we kind of stick fat with and keep keep the faith as opposed to knowing the right ones to jump off? Is it a hard and fast rule? Is it a break-even? Is it a roll thing? How do we correctly identify the right players to hold and the right premiums to trade? Tough question, MJ. Tough question. So this one, there is no right or wrong answer to it, okay, for a start. So all we could do is share our opinions on what we would do sure. in that situation. So with me, okay, when I'm looking at Dream Team, I'm looking at for a roll change or I'm looking for an injury okay so someone like an Isaac Heaney someone's come out during the week and said Isaac Heaney's suffering from an ankle injury I think it was Longmire Mm -hmm. so and he's struggling he's about 75% fit so on and so forth but then I look at how much he's averaging anyway so he's averaging seven mid 70s across the format so I would be hesitant to trade someone like Heaney because he's only going to get better from now on yeah now, if it's someone like a Toby, or well, not a Toby Green, um, a Zach Merritt, per sure. se, okay? When you we came into the season underdone, he's clearly underdone, okay? We, we, we know that. Mm. But the thing is, he was everywhere last week, you know, for a good three quarters of that game. And that was with Jack still on his tail. Mm. Like, so that one's got to be a judgment call by the coach themselves. Are they, like, is he killing your enjoyment of watching the game? Is he killing dream team for you? And if not, then I would persist. If he is, then obviously it's better to make that jump, you know? Because, I mean, the last thing you want to do is not enjoy the game of the Dream Team or AFL Fantasy or whatever else. Yeah, and that's fair enough. In a moment, we'll talk about specific players, but Rayman, is there any kind of, not generic, but really tailored, caveated advice before we do talk specific players? Because I want to throw some names to both of you that, you know, right across our social media platforms and no doubt across everybody else as they've had these players. But is there some kind of generic advice that you could kind of add on to what Rids has just talked about? No, look, I think I agree with Reid. So, uh, I think the rule is that there is no rule. It's yeah. got to be very specific for your team. And, you know, people run with rules that, you know, you can't sideways a premium or you don't trade before round three. But th- to be honest, that, that, that's got to be dependent on what you want to do and how you see the team. So sure. I think to Reid's point around, you know, there's got to be an enjoyment factor. Sometimes we take this game way too serious. And if you're, you know, let, let's say you've got a, a, a Heaney or a Merit to Ridza's examples and you're just hating watching them, even despite logic, you might just decide, hey, I'm going to sideways these because I would rather watch a Rory Sloan turn up than Merit do what he's doing. So I think there just needs to be a call made with each 
coach and on their circumstances. But I think, look, I, I think the, the, the kind of golden rule, I guess, outside of that is, do you see this player being in the top six to eight to ten of their position? Mm. And if that answer is no, well, then I, I think you've, you've got a, a call to make. But also, it, it gets a little bit more complex than that. It might be six to eight to ten of their position right now or later in the year. So, you know, take a Heaney, for example. He, he's got a high likelihood of being a top six forward before the, by the end of the year. Mm. Whether it's now and in the next four to six weeks, I don't know. So you could argue a very good point to make a play that, hey, I'm going to put him out with the view of bringing him back once he gets his foot right. And so let's talk about, before we get get to, again, some specific players, we've used Heaney and Merritt as a couple of examples. What are some other factors, Rids, that come into it? We're using guys like Heaney, I suppose Dunkley, even to a, maybe a lesser extent, a, a Dustin Martin. Because when you look at the fixtures that's coming up for them, um, the Bulldogs with Dunkley play Gold Coast. For Richmond, they play GWS, and Dusty's got a, a pretty darn good history a, against them, more so in Supercoach, but certainly a, across the formats it's there. Um, and then you could probably say, similar with Isaac Heaney, coming up against Carlton. Does fixture start to play a factor in it, is in, in that decision to hold for the week? Because probably one of the most frustrating things for coaches is picking a player, copping their bad scores, and then jumping off them just as they turn the corner. Yeah, so fixtures have to play a part in it, okay? And matchups, opponents, what grounds they're playing at. Like, I mean, if you're playing under the roof at Etihad, you know it's not going to be rain-affected. Then we saw what happened with Port Adelaide and Carlton last week after half-time. Yeah. It became very hard to score points after half-time for all players in that game. Mm. So Port, it has to become a factor at some point in time, okay? Draw and also where they're actually playing the game. Now, we've also got to highlight, MJ. I just, um, we do this every week, and we've just got to highlight it again, and I'm sorry for ranting on about it, but you're trading a guy that the score has already counted to your season's tally. Correct. You know, by trading him now, all you're doing is compounding that mistake if he comes good. So you, you can't go, oh, look, boy, oh, boy, I should have started Boke over Dunkley, okay? And then suddenly you go back and you get round two's points for the two players mm. because it's too late. So you're only compounding that. So what you're doing, okay, this is where chasing points comes into it a little bit, you know? And I know we're going to talk about it a little bit yeah. later on, okay? But I'll just quickly touch on it now. So if someone has already averaged 140 for the season over two rounds, they've got to average 90 for, from now to the end of the season to average 95. For the whole season, okay? If that's where you think they're going to average for the season, that's what you're looking at is 90 for the season. There's some guys there that at the start of the year, we may not have even thought were fantasy relevant. I mean, we're looking at guys like Will Powell and, you know, uh, Charlie Ballard and, you know, some of these guys with massive, massive um, negative break even yeah. and stuff. No one can call that. Like, so if you want to do a one or two week trade and you feel a bit better of, you know, turning over two or 300,000, then by all means, like if you go from, instead of going from a Dunkley to Heaney, okay, why not go Dunkley to Powell and then in two weeks time go to Heaney? Yeah. You know what I mean? So, I mean, there's, also, there's many, many ways of playing this game. And I mean, Rob and I and yourself and, you know, all of the panel have pretty much played for years and it's got to be about enjoyment. So it's team decision. Keep an open mind and try and enjoy it. Yeah, no, I, I think that you've both touched on that point um, throughout this episode, and that is one of the key things. While we all want to win our leagues, we all want to get the greatest ranking points we can, when fantasy football starts to impact your enjoyment of life, of AFL in general, of family, then then maybe you've probably taken a little bit too far <laughs> into and a little bit too serious, and we're, everyone's as guilty as doing that, and we understand. But um, let's talk about some specific players in in what world is trading, let's use the forward premiums that have not quite delivered where we, we'd kind of hoped they would have for whatever reason, Heaney and Dunkley. Is there a world we should be seriously considering trading them or is it just purely you've copped their bad scores, you know they're going to come good, just ride it out? Yeah, look, let me go on that. I think, again, everything is coach and team dependent. So sure. it really depends on who, who don't you have? So it, as a forward, everyone's going to have Dangerfield, right? Sure. If you don't have a Tim Kelly who is just showing everything at the moment, 
I think there's an argument that you could do that. Yep. But I think I think the other thing we didn't talk about before when you're kind of trying to make that decision is don't just look at the numbers. Actually give these guys the eye test. Go and watch the games back and actually understand where they're positioned and how they're actually playing. So to Ridge's point before about merit, he kind of talked that, you know, he spent a lot of time around the ball and, he, you know, he had a fantastic last quarter. So what, if you just looked at the numbers, you probably wouldn't see that. Mm. But to actually watch the game, you would. So... I think for me, Dunkley's a really interesting one, and I own him, and I don't own Heaney, so I'm probably a bit more biased there. Sure. For me, for me, Dunkley's a hold, and uh, th- there's a few reasons for that. We've had two sample uh, points of data so far. We had I picked him based on last year on 22 sample points of data. Now we know that um, how he's scoring at the moment is he's dominating in the first half, and then really slowing down third quarter and I think his average in the last quarter is around 16 points per game so Mm. really slowing and just watching some of those games he starts to move out of some of the mid rotations when the game has been on the line um, and they're running McRae and Libba and Bont in there so that that doesn't necessarily mean that's a bad thing for him because he's still I think he attended something like 17 centre bounce attendances last week so they're big numbers so for me I think he's going to come good, and I'm pretty sure he is. If in two or three weeks he's still putting up the same kind of scores, well, then I might make a different call. Yeah, no, and that's fair enough too. Um, and Rids, once a premium starts to drop away money, I know in AFL fantasy we, we have started to see that in certain players. Is that starting to become a problem? Two weeks in, say a Dunkley, a Heaney, um, maybe um, you know you could look at some other guys in other lines. Maybe Dusty is is the midfielder we could talk about more so for Dream Team and Fantasy than anywhere else. But is there a problem? Is it okay if he's had two price changes all on the negative? Is it still too late to get rid of him? Do you just ride it out? Like when's that cutoff point again? Outside of enjoyment, um, from a, a pure practicalities of going. They've le- leaked too much money now. It's too late. Where, where's that cutoff threshold that we need to be aware of? Okay, so this is going to sound a bit odd, but AFL fantasy is a weird, weird, weird formula to work out, okay? So we look at someone like a Brody Grundy who averaged 120-odd last year, okay? Yeah. And he's come out and he's scored... He's averaging 98, so he's averaging, you know, 20, 20 something points lower than last year. Mm. He's only dropped 45,000 over the course of those two weeks. And his round three projected is 101, whereas his break even's 146. Now, we said this last week, didn't we? Grundy, on any given day, when he plays well, could actually go close to 150. Yeah, and he was only about 30-odd points off it last week, yeah. Yeah, correct. So, at the end of the day, like, I just don't think the break evens are high enough and impact us enough for the prices... Um, for the premium price tags, okay, in AFL Fantasy. Dream Team and Supercoach, however, it's a little bit more weighted. So there's a magic number that figures across the whole competition. So when the rookies go up, the premiums will drop and then it'll still be the same amount of number across the competition. Mm. Okay, so the magic number at the moment in Dream Team, 7,155. And that will obviously drop as the year goes by to make sure we maintain Okay, so that's why you often hear people saying, well, if someone averages 120, they're going to have to average 130 odd or whatever to maintain, to maintain the price. their price. Yeah. And that's what we're finally seeing in Dream Team. And Supercoach works reasonably similar. The other thing is it's a three week roll in average. Okay. And so there's, it's pretty much, you know, you've got 75% of what this season has been or what your price tag has. And then 25% is impacted. So again, there's a lot of formulas and everything else to work out as you go through it. So that's why in AFL Fantasy, I think the best way is to hold on to your premium and keep looking for those smaller break-evens at mid-prices and then taking the rises up. Because we're seeing a lot bigger jumps, you know. Sam Walsh, I think, is 347000 already. And he started at, what, about 260 was 270, it? Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, he's already gone up seventy, eighty thousand. Okay, in AFL fantasy, and he's got a break even of zero again. So, see, the prices of the premiums are dropping much slower rate than what the rises are. So, you've got to look for those break evens early, especially those massive, massive negative break evens. Guys like um, Charlie Constable, you know, who are massive break evens in AFL fantasy. So, but that, long story short, okay, 
I would be holding premiums no matter what and trying to build the team around them in AFL Fantasy. Dream Team and Super Coach, this is the first week of drops. I might look at a little bit of strategy, you know, trying to fix the structure of the team if I haven't started as well as what I wanted or maybe jumping on a guy before he goes through the roof like a boat. Sure. As I said, if you still think he's going to average 95 for the year, 90 still going to put him, you know, top 10 for the year from now on. Mm. If you're comfortable with that projection, then, I mean, why not jump on him at 620000 this week in sure. Dream Team? So, again, it's got to be a team-to-team decision. It's got to be also buy-focused. People are making trades at the moment. They've forgotten all about their buys. Because that, Rain Man, that's one of those things, isn't it? That it's sort of the, oh, I'll deal with that in two months when I get to it. And while you think, yeah, I'll have three trades that week. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be able to do it. Those three-week periods of time are probably the greatest moving periods for a fantasy coach. Even if you feel like you've spluttered and stuffed up the start to the year, that three-week window of time, and I suppose the 10 weeks is before we get to it as well, that's that period of time that smart coaches that plan, that strategize, that execute, and yeah, sure, get a little bit of luck, can really move from in contention to hard to beat to somewhere in the middle of the pack to right back where they want to be. Yeah, absolutely. I think we we spend so much time, we spend months planning what our starting squad looks like. Um, but then outside of that, people then just kind of fly by the seat of their pants week on week yeah. and don't actually plan it out. I think the smart coaches and the successful coaches over time, not only do they plan their starting squad, but they plan where they're going to move and how they're going to move across the uh, the weeks, definitely leading up to the buyers. And it may not be a necessary player they're looking at, but they might be targeting a defender from round 14, for argument's sake, sure. um, because that actually suits what they want to do and will give them a better balance across the line. So I think absolutely it's key to start thinking about buys. It doesn't mean every trade you do, you need to be right on the money, but you need to have a get-out-of-jail-free plan and also a plan to, to navigate yourself through, because you're right, some of the, the most successful coaches that have uh, you know won this thing over the last few years really start to, across that three round, you know, they're moving five, six, seven thousand spots sometimes. So how, where do we need to kind of start those re-evaluation periods throughout the year? Because you're right, you can have that plan at the start of the year. I, I, it's a question for both of you. you. You can have this plan of, okay, all of a sudden you think someone's like a Tim Kelly at the start of the year. You may have thought, look, he's a chance to be a top six forward. Um but I'm not too sure. We'll see how we go. Now, it's only two games of data, but certainly the way he's tracking, he's right in contention. Conversely, someone like Alex Witherden, you may have been like, nah, he's he's a lock, 95, 90-plus 90 defender. No worries. I'm going to start with him. And, and again, it's only two games of data, but he's, he's not quite there. Where are those signposts in the season that you start to reevaluate players and not just rounds, but the players you go, okay, I thought I could target him in round four, but now it's going to be round eight, and, and that affects another pl- plan. Where are those signposts along the time that we need to keep our, our trade-in plans fluid? So, I mean, I could jump on this one straight away yeah. and tell you, like, so if you believe, like, when I look through the positions, okay, and I'll look, look, I'll focus on Dream Team just for now sure. for this scenario, okay? I think there's a clear three defenders, okay, in the premium lines at the moment. So I think it's a Whitfield, Laird, and Lloyd, and then there's Daylight, okay? Sure. I think in the midfield, you've got a little bit more of a cluster, but I still think McRae's a distance ahead because of no Tom Mitchell this year. Yep. Trelaw and a few others are slowly edging up closer, but I still think there's a little bit of a gap there, and we've seen it in the first couple of weeks, okay? Yep. I think in the rucks, there's definitely a clear two. I know that they haven't started well, but there's definitely a clear two, and then mm. there's a little bit of distance. So what I'm looking at here, okay, is if I didn't start one of those guys, and I think that they're clear with distance to third, I need to get them in ASAP. It's probably a mistake on my behalf of not having those guys right. at some point in time, okay? So if I thought that their draw was harder in the first few weeks and they've got off to a flyer, a la Whitfield, yes. then I've got to suck out, like suck apples you know, cop it on the chin and go, you know what, i got that one wrong, time to move him in because I can't stand him scoring 120. Like, yeah. and these guys are capable. We saw it with Doherty a couple of years ago before he did his knee. Yeah. He actually went 117 in Dream Team for the season. Yeah. So there are 
seasons where some of these guys can go 110 plus. Yeah, no, no doubt. So, so I, I suppose the, uh, the tag on question maybe for you, Rang Man, is how do you identify if there are those clear bracketed guys that for whatever reason you went against them, you're now realizing not only do I need them, I need to get them in quickly. How do you prioritize? Is that based on the, the balance of the cash cows in other lines? Is it just which of the guys you identify are going to hurt you the most? H- how do you make that decision to go, okay, I've missed Whitfield or I've missed Lloyd or I've, I've missed McRae or uh, I've missed Gorn or, or whatever it is. How do you prioritize that as a fantasy coach? Yeah, I think it's a balance, kind of like what Rid's talked about. So uh, there's a clear path around identifying who are, or even early indicators are going to be at the top of their line. Right. And I think it's around the balance around... So let's say, for example, you watched the Collingwood game last week and they just played short chip kick, which was fantastic for fantasy. And they, you know, it's, I think Chris Mayne even turned up last week. So <laughs> that, that, that says a bit, right? Yeah. But you, you, could, you could look, for example, at someone like Jack Crisp. Like he, he did really well and he had a pretty good season last year as well. So if you had, if you had a determination that let's say you had... Uh, enough money just to afford Chris or for an extra 100 grand you can get Lloyd, you've got to really ask yourself a question there. Is it worth going a Chris who may, uh, while they're playing this game style, may continue to go 95 to 105, right? Mm. Um, and, and you ride that wave. But we also know that Chris hasn't been a top defender for a long period of time that a Jake Lloyd has for argument's sake. Sure. So the balance is, What's your points that you're actually going to earn by getting in a crisp who may or may not be a top six defender or going with somebody and waiting till you can get that hundred grand to work on a Jake Lloyd to actually get that locked in? And I think that's a really good example because we talk where our rookies are and obviously when we harvest those cash cows, that's where we've got some really good scoring rookies at the moment. So it's considering around, hey, when do you cull these guys and then how can you work a bit of DPP loopage to try and get something that will actually get you the best, if that's best for your team at the time. So I'm curious. Um, we've talked about some premium strategy about identifying the right guys, knowing when to hold, knowing when to back your gut and to trade, whether it be for pure enjoyment or you've ana- done some analysis on the fixture. Let's kind of go the reverse on that. The guys that have come out of the gate swinging and absolutely crushing it, Players such as Boak, Sheed, Rockliffe are just three names. I know there's more you can add to that, but you know, for the sake of conversation, those three are they are these the sort of players that it's worth trading, jumping on, whether it be because you believe they're going to do it for the year or because you want the the cash run or whatever it is. When are you just chasing points, or when are you? I, I suppose are they worth chasing? Are those three players, I, I suppose I'll, I'll put it directly for you, Riz, is Boak, is Rockliffe, and Sheed, being probably the three guys that have stormed the gates at the start of the year uh, across all formats based on their price point and what they've delivered. Are they worth chasing after this week if you do not have them? Okay, so I would say Boak is a possible yes, okay? Okay. And I'm saying possible, yes, because when I look at the forward line eligible players across the format, I could see and I could easily see Travis Boak being in the top five averages for the year. Yeah. And I think the top five averages in the forwards are going to go 95 plus. Yeah. Okay. So when I look at Sheed and when I look at Rockcliffe, I've still got question marks. So... And I'm a Rockcliffe owner, okay? So mm. I'm not saying this because I don't own him or anything like that, or I'm trying to tell people to jump. But I'm not sure. at all. I own Rockcliffe across it because I had a strategy at the start that I thought while Wines was out, Rockcliffe was going to average a lot higher than what his price tag was, and he's going to be a nice little ride up. In three or four weeks, I was going to trade him to McRae. Yep. Okay? Same buy round. Everything looked good. I thought McRae might struggle in a couple of weeks time mm-hmm. and that's what I was looking at as a strategy okay in dream team sure I've also got Rockcliffe in Supercoach and also AFL Fantasy so again I'm not saying this to be smart I do own him yeah but we saw last week okay when that rain came his lack of tackles really really hurt him when Satterfield started tagging him and he couldn't get that loose chip mark chip mark ball mm. okay that he was getting in the first half 
Centerfield did an okay job, but it wasn't the tightest tag you'll ever see in that game either, okay? Yeah, it wasn't so, a Harms I mean, or a Hutchings tag, yeah. No, and I mean, Satterfield is only a kid playing in really his first season, okay, coming back from a knee injury. So any other proven premium could have probably worked his way through that a little bit better. But Rockliffe's at that stage now where I think we're back in his heyday, okay, where he was scoring 140, 150. He was having 10-plus tackles a game. There was no tackling in the second half, okay? And then when that restricted, when the rain came, he didn't have as much ball... You know, we saw a very, very different second half. The um, interesting thing with him this week is um, Wines comes back. Mm. Now, I hate to tell you, but Wines and Rockliffe in the same midfield means it's going to be a very slow midfield, especially when you've got a Ruckman, you know, lumbering Luckman. So at the end of the day, I don't see how both of them can exist or coexist in the same midfield for long periods of time. They might have periods of time together, but not long periods of time, okay? So, Wines, is he a better forward or is Rockliffe a better forward? Who impacts more forward? Mm. Again, the answer is Rockliffe, okay? So, that's where I'm sort of leaning towards. If you don't have him now, I wouldn't be disappointed, okay? Yes, he started well, but I wouldn't go jumping on him right now. Yeah, fair enough. Whereas with Sheed, okay, Andrew Gaff comes back this week. Yeah. I'm not saying that's going to impact him. I'm saying that, Sheed had his good run last year when Gaff went out. Yeah, sure. Sheed wasn't even in the team, like, you know, when Gaff was playing last year. That's how much of a difference it's been. Yeah. So Sheed came in, replaced Gaff, and has actually gone on a massive run since. Does that change when there's 30, 35 possessions a game going to Andrew Gaff? Again, we we don't know the answer. We're going to guess the answer. But, I mean, it has to impact someone. So... Why, why doesn't it impact Sheed over Shuey over someone else? It's got to impact someone, doesn't it? Well, I think that's your point, isn't it? And for you, Rand, man, we're talking about, you know, two um, phenomenally good midfielders coming into, um, you know, relatively strong sides in terms of how they're performing and fantasy impact. Who do you feel like, I know um, hearing what Rids has talked about, he's kind of implying that, well, both of them are going to be impacted. Do you have one... Again, you don't want it to turn it into a Sheed versus Rockliffe thing. That's not what I want to do. But do you feel like there's a question for one of our Patreons, Dave? He goes, who do you feel like you trust more to go close enough to being a premium for the rest of the year? Sheed or Rockliffe, knowing that a premium midfielder and a really good midfielder is coming into the sides of each of these players. Do you feel trust with either of them, both of them, or none of them? Yeah, for me, probably Rocky. Right. Uh, the reason I say that, I actually went early on Rocky in Supercoach last week. I bought him in last week. Sure. And there were a couple of reasons for that. So seeing him uninjured or the, the way that he was amassing possessions was actually a real positive. Right. And I think to Riz's point, you can look at that two different ways, right? So Rocky isn't tackling and he's hardly laid, he's laid more than Dusty, but that's not saying much, but he's hardly laid a, a tackle you know, in this season so far but he's actually still scoring really well. So I think he's building trust back in his shoulders and, and he will start to do that. So for me, if you're looking between the two, they're both at a really low price point. So I think there's a consideration there that generally round three comes around and everybody thinks, wow, we need to jump on these guys now. We don't, right? You can actually wait a week. Yeah. It's not going to kill you to wait a week, particularly if just talking super coach, you know, these guys are kind of low 400s or, or top end of 390. You know, so they're not that expensive and you can wait a little bit to pick them up. The other thing for me around Rocky is he's, he has the pedigree, right? Mm. He's been there and done it before, albeit in a different team, sure. albeit with a different structure, but we know that he just knows how to find the ball. Um, and he's done it with various um, different conditions, different players, uh, and, and, and has, I guess, that pedigree. She doesn't. That doesn't mean that he can't. Sure. But for me... I would always lean on the guy that's been there and done it before than the guy that might. And MJ, can I just throw something else in yeah, here please. as well? I don't know why we seem to be, as a fantasy community, we seem to always look at two guys, you know, like a Sheed versus Rockliffe. Sure. There's other options out there. Like Libertore came out and looked the best he's ever seen. Like yeah. I saw him play last week and he was easily best on ground for mine in that game. 
you know, I watched um, Brad Crouch played. He was easily best on ground in the first three quarters of mm. that game against Sydney last week. You know, Tim Taranto came out and smashed it in that first. It doesn't have to be just two guys. Yeah. So I don't understand why people, like us as a fantasy community, we seem to highlight two guys and it's like, and then we just go, oh, no, we just stick with those two guys and that's where the discussion stays. Mm. We should be opening it up and going, well, who else around those price ranges, you know, could actually be turned into a premium? Because what will often happen in case we'll miss the guy like a Liam Picken a few years ago as a defender or Angus Brayshaw last year or so on and so forth when they start a run, we're focused so much on a Jack Crisp or whoever it was at the time mm. that we've actually missed the guy that's actually going to become that premium. And I actually think Brad Crouch has answered all of the question marks we had over him. And we all know he's very, very capable of going 105, 110 across the formats. Mm. You know, just as a, as a um, curveball, I'm not saying don't select Sheed or Rockcliffe. I'm no. just saying... Make sure you look at all options, not just two. That's all. No, that well, that's it. You're factoring those things in, and you're right. You know, say like hypothetically, for example, people are considering in Supercoach Dustin Martin for whatever reason, rightly or wrongly, they're going. I'm going to trade him out now. Whether or not that means because they need the cash to go get a Gorn because they're a Sam Jacobs owner, because they need the cash to be able to go and turn. I don't know, a Toby Green that may be sitting there to go up somewhere else. So maybe there's some other reasons, but you're right. It's like, well, should you get Rockliffe? Yeah, he's 400000 in that format, fair enough. But Liberatore is hundred grand cheaper, averaging a hundred. That money could be the thing you need to get a Green up to a Kelly, a Jacobs up to a Grundy. You're right. You've got to look at all those options, don't you? And then on top of that, um, Western Bulldogs play the Suns under Eddie had this week. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a nice, friendly matchup for a Libertore, you know? So, I mean, I'm just throwing out there, like, I just, you know what I'm like. I'll just, I don't like <laughs> to always go the norm. But, I mean, it just seems like we've spoken so much about Rockliffe as a community over the last two weeks. And yet a guy like Libertore can play his best game across all the formats last week and doesn't get a beep, you know? Yeah. All right. Well, let me throw a couple of names out to you before we, we talk about how, how do you view your unique side? What do you do to identify moving on premiums, getting the right cash cows, a, a mid-price that's not quite delivered on expectation, getting that priority? L- let me throw some names out. Um, and I go, I know different formats have different strategies, so it's dangerous. Um, but I want to throw some premiums that have not quite yet delivered the scores that people had hoped. And whether or not, now I know we don't know the variables of who they're trading, what they're needing to do, all that kind of thing. I just want to throw some names out on whether or not you feel like they should be something that you should consider moving them on. Let's start with a Dustin Martin. Rids for you. Is it reason to give him a bit of the heave-ho this week or is it back the call in and keep going? I actually think he's only ever going to be super coach relevant moving forward, okay? Sure. The style of that Richmond has, plus the reliance of him going forward, just impacts the team too much. So he's going to be super coach only relevant for mine, and I think you have to trade him this week, even if you have him as super coach. Okay, and you're so down to like a Liberatore type well, of player. People are wondering what's happening with Jacobs, okay? Like, I mean, if you want to go that way, you can go Dusty to Libar, Jacobs to Grundy. Yeah, that's true. Well, um, just again, I'm not telling people what to trade or stuff. No, but again, you can do that. Yep. No. There's, there's no high, like, there's no, you know, rule set in stone that you can't do this and you can't do that. By all means, you can do that. All right, fair enough. Uh, Rainman for you, Zach Merritt, similar with Dusty for you in that. Uh, no. Or have you seen enough signs that think if you started him, back it in? Yeah, I, I'd back Merritt in. We know, again, I talked about pedigree with Rocky. Merritt has the pedigree. And I think that Essendon have been atrocious, and I don't think anybody could argue the point that they weren't. Mm. But if you look at some of the key numbers, particularly last week, they actually won a lot of the, the stats. So they actually weren't that far off. And I think what Merritt did in the last quarter, I think he amassed a 35-40 point last quarter mm. to, to drag his score to 100. So we know that this guy had an interrupted preseason. So if you started him, you needed to take that into account. So by doing that, you, you've already factored in that there is a risk there. He's not going to come out and average 120 across the first two rounds. So... For me, again, depending on what the rest of your structure looks like, there's an argument made that you could go down to 
any of those four guys that we mentioned that are a hell of a lot cheaper and use that money elsewhere, if that's a better bang for buck for the rest of your side, go ahead and do it. But for me, if I own Merritt, I'd give him another week just to see what he can do. I think that um, that uh, they actually have a reasonable matchup coming up this week against yeah, the Dees. Yeah, I think he's got a pretty good record against them. So I think two good runs under his belt, Essendon can't be as bad as they have been. I'm not going to say they're going to win, mm. but I think he'll be better. And the asset is certainly getting put on the players. So he, to me, is the kind of guy that would respond. All right, fair enough too. Um, let's talk about some cash cows and specifically um, around the premise of giving coaches some, some generic advice. Well, not maybe not generic, but some um, advice that kind of can be something that they plug into their side no matter where they're at. But what's the priority for a coach this week? Is the greatest priority, regardless of the format, is it nailing the right cash cows? So if they've missed one, um, you know, for for an example, you know, in AFL Fantasy, the top three break-evens are Charlie Constable at negative 38, Willem Drew at negative 32, Xavier Dersmer at negative 15. There's a couple of others in the negatives in Dream Team. Uh, uh, there's three guys that have um, negative triple-figure break-evens. They're the same three in Constable, Drew, Dersmer, while in Supercoach, uh, again, it's Drew, Parker, Constable, Luke Davies-Uniac, and Dersmer are the top five is getting the cash cow correct the greater priority or fixing up a premium or a mid-price selection, maybe like a Toby Green or a Callum Mills, for example? What's the priority for coaches, Rain Man, this week? What's the priority for coaches? Is it break even, get the right cash cow, fix up your premium, or deal with the failed mid-price selection? So for me, uh, it's always cash cows, right? Right. And I think re- referring to the articles on, on the website is a really good way to be able to do that. Riggs talked earlier about the magic number and what and how that actually changes. And we're talking super coach and, and dream team here, right? Yeah. That, that the rookies aren't going to make the cash at the rate they make it now. And you're not going to get a chance to go back and get that cash again. A premium could turn their form around next week. Sure. A mid-pricer might come out and play a different role and change. So are they a concern? Absolutely. But for me, the way that you win this game, and we know that the way that you complete your team is by generating cash. And the way to generate cash is to get on the right rooks. Now, there is an argument there around, do you sideways trade a rook to get a better rook? Mm. It probably really depends on what the situation is. So let's say you've got a Tom Atkins who isn't setting the world on fire, but looks to be a bit of a cult hero down at the cat. Sure. Would you then go sideways from him to a Zach Butters? Mm. Personally, probably not. But I could understand that somebody may want to do that. The issue being, they're a rookie, and it's rookie lotto. So next week, if you've, you've cost yourself a trade, Zach Butters comes out and gets 35, and Atkins lays 17 tackles and gets 80. Sure. And you've kind of shot yourself in the foot. So for me, cash is king because that's how you complete your team. Um, uh, and we saw that, and we saw that last week with Sam Collins. Yeah. A lot of people jumped off Sam Collins, who then came out and was very, very important in their win this week. 100%. I mean, he scored 76 in Dream Team. I think it was even more than yeah, that. Yeah, he was like 85, 86 in Supercoach, yeah. Yes, yeah, so you'd be absolutely kicking yourself right now if you listen to some of the poor advice that I was watching on the um, Herald Sun website with the journos and stuff saying that 188 is too much for Sam Collins, you know, bring in a Dozmar or whatever, like you'd be absolutely kicking yourself now because he looks like he's going to be there for a long time. Mm. And, and so on that point is, let's use Supercoach as the example. Someone like a, a Mackay out of North Melbourne who's 123,900, averaging 42 defender, negative 13 break even. Then in contrast to a Dersma, um, who is, uh, you know, less than 20,000 more expensive, but has a break-even of negative 69. Um, is that enough of a, a gap as opposed to the, the illustration that I know Rain Man used, which was, you know, less than 10,000 price point, less than negative, you know, 10 points, a, a gap of break-even. Is that the kind of thing where you go, no, I need to get the right break-even guy? Or do you just go, I've got cash cows, I'm good? When do you know the, that point of friction that you need to make a change? Okay, so it's all about points at the end of the year, okay? Sure. But the fact of the matter is you've got to earn a bit of money to make those points. Now, I would actually keep Ben McKay in that instance, okay? Sure. And I would go someone else to a Dersma 
Gersmer's a mid as well as a back, so there's got to be someone in your team that's either not playing or, you know, who hasn't started the year on fire. And then, after a couple of price rises, go Mackay back to them. Like, sure. it won't hurt you. Like, So let's, hypothetical, okay, I've got a Pierce Hanley in my team who's mm. started okay. Like, I mean, he, he didn't have much of a pre... Like, he's coming in, he's averaging just under 60, which is only 20 or 30 points off the premium range anyway. Yeah. So he's not going terrible. And he had a good second he, half too, by the way. Yeah, but he's not going. He's not setting the world on fire, and his break evens are around the forty mark. Okay, sure. And he's only averaging sixty, which is what I would be expecting from some of these rookies if they weren't on the field. So I would go a Hanley to a Dersma. Yep. And then in two weeks' time, I would then use that money to go Der, um, Mackay to whoever I could get, you know, on top of Mackay. Sure. And that way, then you still got the best of two worlds there. Okay. And it's only a one- or two-week incident where if Hanley does come out and go 100, who's saying Dersma doesn't match him anyway next week? We, we just don't know. Like, as, Ray, um, as Rob just said then, you know, we're talking about absolute lottery with rookies. Like, yeah. we saw Bailey Scott come out and go 100 in one week and then 30 in the next. Yes, of course, he had gastro. No one knew that at no. the time. But you're always going to play Scott over when they're playing against the Lions against, like, rather than uh, who was it, Geelong versus the Melbourne. Yeah. Like, you know, so it's always a bit of a toss of the coin. Yeah, it is It is rookie roulette at this time of year for so many different reasons. I, I love that. If you want to go and check out some of the players with the best break-evens of Supercoach Dream Team and AFL Fantasy, you can go and check that out online at coachespanel.tv. And MJ, can I just, sorry, I yes. want to be annoying and yes. just interrupt the Coel. Yes. If your mid-pricer or your premium hasn't started the year with your expectations, lower your expectations a little bit. Mm. There's nothing wrong with that, you know. I'm happy to live with the 60s for the first two or three weeks if someone like a Hanley is going to get me 75, 80 moving forward, you know. So we can lower our expectations. Zach Merritt, Kane Dream Team, has gone 117 in a season twice. Yeah. He's not going to average what he's averaging now, even no. if he gets tagged every week. Yeah. We saw that late last year, okay? So lower your expectations for the first couple of weeks and then hope he gets to the 100, hope he gets to the 105s, 110s, and let him build across the season. Yeah, no, fair enough too. Um, I, I like that advice. I uh, appreciate that. And as you mentioned just before, the Nobel Coel, as you just heard, is the Coaches Panel Coach of the Year Award every single week. Uh, the top three scorers in our Dream Team, Super Coach, and AFL Fantasy groups are awarded points. At the end of the year, it is all tallied up to be able to be the Nobel Coel winner, the Coach of the Year Award. If you want to join it, it's not too late. You can go to coachespanel.tv uh, to get all the codes, put them in. Still plenty of chances to be able to go and get yourself some points in that format. And uh, the good news is Wednesday evening, depending on when you're listening to that, it could already have happened, but Wednesday evening uh, is when the Fox drops the results of the round of football and who has picked up some points both in that week and the overall scoreboard. You can check that out at facebook.com forward slash coaches panel. Uh, before we wrap up this episode, our supporters of a uh, Patreon supporters, uh, which you can be a part of at patreon.com forward slash coaches panel have uh, sent in some questions for you boys. And I want to read them out before we wrap up this podcast. Uh, Zach wants to know, um, he's got a dilemma in the fact that he started with Dunkley, Jacobs, Ross, and merit for AFL Fantasy, and he's not sure who to prioritise this week. I think the fact that we do know Jacobs is out is probably his priority, I would suggest. Out of those other names, again, we don't know the other 20-odd players in their Rain Man. I suppose I'll throw this one to you. Out of those other three names, who would be, rightly or wrongly, the next priority in line after Sam Jacobs? Look, I know I talked up Seb Ross pre-season and thought he was actually in for a gun year. That hasn't panned out, and I think there's some reasons for that and how the Saints are rotating some of their players. I think the question you ask yourself is, who do you see as top in their line? So Mm. do you see Dunkley as a top six defender? Do you see Merritt as a top eight midfielder? Do you see Ross as a top eight midfielder? I think the conversation, if you play it out like that, there's a better likelihood 
that Dunkley and Merritt are top of their lines than Ross is. Yeah, so Ross enough. would be the one on the block for me. All right, fair enough. Uh, Daniel wants to know, Rids, uh, in regards to strategy for Dream Team and Super Coach, um, he's often heard that here at the coaches panel we talk about trading aggressively early in order to complete your scene as soon as possible. Um, is there merit in also going almost the opposite way of conserving some trades a little bit, playing a bit more of a safer route throughout the year? Is that also a viable strategy or is that more putting the hands in luck of needing some injuries and hoping guys crash and burn? Look, this game is based on luck. Yeah. Right? So let's let's never take that away, okay? So, But what I like to do is I like to try and take the luck factor out of us for as much as I can. I'm not relying on an Angus Brayshaw to go on a run like he did last year. Sure. So by conserving trades, all I'm doing is allowing people to get ahead of me. Yep. Like and I'm talking in regards to completing my team, mm-hmm. into jumping on guys that should be jumped on at that moment in time based on draws and everything else. Like... So I've already got guys penciled in for the next three or four rounds who I want to target. Mm. So, and again, like, I don't want to fall behind. Like, it's one of those games, isn't it, now? There's so much information Mm. out there that when you fall behind, it's so hard to catch up because someone, you know, there's so many experts out there and so many people that are telling you what to do. Someone's going to stumble across it at some point. Like... So, yeah, like, I mean, there's just too much info out there to make ground like we used to 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, Rayman, for you, David wants to know, he's doing Supercoach for the first time. He's only really ever played Dream Team and now also AFL Fantasy. Um, He's looking for 10 commandments. That may be a little bit too many, but what's one or two key pieces of advice for someone that's coming more from a a Dream Team and an AFL Fantasy um, scoring platform and scoring mindset? Um, is there something that he needs to make sure that he's identifying to make sure he plays this game correctly? Because it does require different plans, trades, strategies, even players to target. Yeah, absolutely. I I think realising that they are very, very different games is the first rule. Mm. And I think think there's a couple of key things. So generally, the better players to watch are the better supercoach players. So contested possessions, effective disposals are king, right? People that can, you don't necessarily want a short chip. Uh, Jack Crisp was an example I used earlier. Um, that, that chip back, chip forward, uh, whilst that accumulates the points in Dream Team and Fantasy, it may not accumulate to the same rate in Supercoach because it may not be deemed an effective long kick or a contested mark, etc., etc. So I think just being really clear around some of those players that, and do some research, have a look around, dump onto any of the websites and have a look around who scored well in Supercoach previously, because they're traditionally may or may not be some of the fantasy and dream team scorers. So have a real think about it. There's a, a, a certainly a play within Supercoach around, I guess, one of the, the rules that generally people have followed around key position players around not picking them in dream team or fantasy. Some of those can be relevant in Supercoach. So I think it's do the research, understand how the points are garnered, Mm. and then choose your team that way. Yeah, fair enough. And I think um, just on that as well, I think Jared Witt is a perfect example of that. Yeah. So he has a lot of hit-outs each game, but he doesn't have many hit-outs to advantage. So I think um, one of our guys, Damo, was one of our keeper leagues, MJ was saying Mm. last year, he had 60 hit-outs, but only scored 86 points in Supercoach. So that's sort of what you're looking for as well. And Rayman's 100% correct. Like, you know, guys like the Shields and stuff like that will always be a better super coach player than what they are a dream teamer. You'll yep. often get a crossover like an Ablet. Sure. But, but yeah, like he's 100% correct. You know, that's why Pendlebury has been a king of super coach yeah. for how many years now? Oh, a decade, yeah. And he's, he's not stopping. No, he's I mean, not. everyone wants to ride his demise. He's not stopping. No, he's certainly not, especially with that game plan, the way they, uh, the Magpies are playing. Uh, question for you, Rids. Uh, Stephen wants to know, um, with Jacobs being now out, does he take him down to someone like a Mumford? Because that gives him the opportunity to get Boken via Heaney. Or, and so I know that's a, a two-prong approach. Is that a, a valid way to make that Jacobs trade? Because obviously he's trying to look at fixing up what he thinks is a, a premium forward that's not going where he wants. Is that the kind of right way to play AFL fantasy there? And is that the right way to execute the Sam Jacobs trade? 
Okay, so I've got to highlight two or three little things here, okay, first. So the first things first, wait till teams have been announced. Yeah. I think this week we may see a Zach Clark come in, and we may see, like, O'Brien's definitely going to come in yes. for Jacobs. So if you have Jacobs as Ruck 2, okay, and Supercoach, you can easily have O'Brien as Ruck 3, okay, and handcuff them. Would so, you make that tra- uh, Sorry, on that, would you make the trade to get O'Brien? Well, look, it depends on team to team again. Sure. Like, But if I'm using a trade to go Heaney to Boak, I, I think that's much, much more wasteful than using a trade to get someone who's actually going to cover your ruck. Sure. Now, the other thing to highlight here is Grundy's got a break-even of 180. Jacobs has a break-even of 130. So you should have been looking at that trade anyway, okay, mm. at some point in time to go up. But if you're looking at holding to go to Grundy, Jacobs isn't dropping price, you know, this yeah. week. He's not playing. Yeah. So you just need someone on the ground that's going to, you know, get you a 50, 60, 70 at a lower price tag. And I think, you know, I'd be very surprised if Zach Clark or um, O'Brien don't play. Like, yeah. And I think there's another one, too, that's coming through. Um, uh, I can't think of his name, sorry. Archie Smith may very well get a game shortly yeah, sure. as well. Um, so, yeah, so long story short, if you're going to go down to a Stefan, um, to what do you Mumford. say? He said Mumford, sorry. Mumford comes with a lot of risk. He hasn't played football for 18 months. He's already been suspended in one practice game. I just I just don't see why you'd go that way. You know, Jacobs to Mumford, which is very, you know, sideways at best. Like, I'd rather see Mumford play for a couple of weeks. That's all. You know, um, fair enough, too. Uh, question for you, Rayman, from GDT. It's a Dream Team question. He says, uh, order of priorities trade for him is is getting rid of Myers. He's going to jump on one of the great break-even forwards, such as uh, a Myers, for example. And he's hoping that will help fund some moves, such as a Hanley up to a Whitfield. Uh, he's even got the money if he wants to take a, a, a cash cow like a whore right up to a Boak or a Rockliffe. What's the greater priority for you there? Is it, you know, yes, sure, make that green downgrade because it looks like he's going to miss for a second week now, if not again. What's the greater priority? Go and take that Hanley up to a Whitfield or a, a cash cow up to a premium in another line? Yeah, I think it's just like what we talked around before. Who, who are going to be the top of those lines? Yeah. So we think Whitfield is, right? Yeah. Boak is probably a very high likelihood. Um, so I think you make the call based on your team. So if you can get Whitfield um, and it, it takes you two trades to do it and you're getting rid of somebody who's underperforming, do it in a heartbeat. All right, fair enough. Uh, Shannon wants to know, it's a question for you, uh, Rids. We'll throw it over to you. Uh, he's got Sam Jacobs, uh, but the only way he can get rid of him to anybody else is either A, trade in Riley O'Brien, or B, trade out a premium that's not quite firing the closest, he says, is a Zach Merritt. Do I, this is for Dream Team, take a Merritt to a Liberatore? That should give me the money to turn Sam Jacobs up. Or is it a better use of a trade to go and get an O'Brien as my R3? So me personally, okay, would be looking at taking, if I'm trading Jacobs, I want to go up. Yeah. So I want to go up to a Grundy or a Gorn or, um, you know, is this Dream Team? Yeah, Dream Team, yeah. So maybe a Wits. Sure. Uh, maybe Ned Kerbis is around that price mark, depending on who you got. So I would probably look at changing the structure of the team. Yeah, right. Swallow your pride. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, at times things are going to happen and it's not going to roll smoothly. Like, you've got to swallow your pride. I know myself, you know, that's one of the hardest things for me is actually going, you know what, I've got it wrong. Let's just fix it now, mm. like, instead of sitting there and suffering with it. So if you want to go Jacobs up, do that, but I wouldn't be spending a hundred, hundred and ten thousand extra or whatever else to go to a rookie that's playing. In Supercoach, however, it's different because we're only talking about a hundred and thirty thousand and a hundred and forty thousand as the two rucks that I just mentioned before in Clark and O'Brien. Yeah. Whereas those guys are two hundred plus in Dream Team. So, so yeah, I'd be looking at going Jacobs up, cop it. Like you know, if you haven't started Walsh have a look at him. Sure. If you haven't started Libertore or a Cousins, have a look at those guys. You mentioned the guy earlier, mate, that um, no one had on the radar, and that's Davis Yuki, Uniaki. Yeah. Yet, you know, the funny thing about it, okay, if he was drafted last year, we'd be all over him. Yeah. Yet 
He was drafted the year before. It's got two pre-seasons under his belt, and no one even looked at him. Mm. Yeah, it's true. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah, it's just funny how this game kind of works, isn't it? Uh, last couple of questions before we wrap up this episode. Nathan Ayres wants to know from you, uh, Rain Man. It's a question for AFL Fantasy. He's currently got Dunkley and Billings. This is F2 and F3. He's thinking of trading Dunkley for Kelly and Billings for Warple with the cash. It means he should be able to get Grundy next week. Is that the right way to play Fantasy, or should he have other priorities? Yeah, why the hell not? <laughs> Why not? There you go, Nathan. That doesn't really help you, does it? But why the heck not? No, look, in all seriousness, again, it's that conversation. Are they going to be top six? I know fantasy is really different. Sure. Kelly Kelly looks like he's smoking. I really like the look of Warple. um, And I think, and I'm not sure what the price difference there is, but he certainly looks like he's going okay. But then again, are Dunkley and scoring that badly and do they have the potential to turn it around yeah. so I guess if, if that's your biggest problem you're actually doing okay yeah. and hey you get two trades a week so knock yourself out yeah and I suppose you're right if they're the worst two players in your team right now probably you're in the top thousand or if not far off and if it means it gets you grunting next week sure um, you're probably not doing that trade in Dream Team or Supercoach, but again, it's AFL Fantasy, different game, different strategy. Second last question, we'll throw it over to you, Rids. Paul wants to know, it's a two-part AFL Fantasy question. With Jacobs out, it seems he needs to go and get one of those big boys in Grundy or Gorn. Um, is the second part of his trade, I, I suppose, to do it is, do I go and get rid of a Jack Higgins, who's not really delivered what I'd hoped, especially last week? Do I take him down to one of those small forwards that I've missed? and Chuck Parker on the field. Is that the way he should be approaching it? Yes. Right, there you go. That was quick. There you go, Paul. Well, without knowing the rest of his team, I can't suggest Yeah, it. I, so, I know it's difficult, isn't it? But look, in well, theory, Well, I mean, if, if he has McRae, you can always trade him to Sheed and then use that money. Like, I mean, yeah, I've, I'd always make sure I'd trade Higgins to a rookie, especially Higgins is playing a real weird role at the moment. Yeah. For Richmond, so... Um, what we thought was going to happen and he's playing more midfield is definitely not happening. So, um, But, yeah, long story short, I would make that mid-pricer down to the rookie and then go whoever you wanted to to whoever, like Jacobs to Grundy or Gorn or whoever tickles your fancy. All right, fair enough. And last question uh, for you, uh, Rainman, before we wrap up. Similar in the air of what Nathan asked for, Shannon wants to know, he's thinking of an AFL fantasy again, must have the rest of his side in good shape because he's thinking of trading Witherden and Sicily to Lloyd and Whitfield. He feels like he's missing out on two of the top three defenders. He doesn't want to have to go and grab them later. Uh, all others in teams are making the cash, doing what I want. It's probably not a bad idea if they're the worst two guys rolling in your team right now. If you can get Lloyd and Whitfield in in two trades, in a heartbeat, do it. Yeah, all right. Fair enough, too. Uh, there it is. Uh, that That is pretty much us uh, done and dusted. I appreciate uh, your work, Lids. Uh, thank you to you, Ritz. Yeah, you're welcome, Mark. And uh, Ray, man, always a pleasure to have you on the podcast, bud. Thanks, MJ. Uh, if you want to go and check out this uh, strategy episode or any of the others that have come and right through to the preseason with the 50 most relevant, if there's a player you're kind of targeting as an upgrade target, uh, go back and check out the podcast episodes via Spotify and iTunes. We certainly would love you to subscribe and share it with your fantasy friends and community. Definitely leave a five-star rating and review. If you love what we're doing here at the Coaches Panel, you can pledge your support at patreon.com forward slash coaches panel. And every single day right through Throughout the week at coachespanel.tv is where you can go and check out all of the articles that are landing, some great advice from the entirety of the panel. As you enter into round three, don't forget for AFL Fantasy Coaches, Thursday night game, meaning you get what Dream Team and Super Coaches get every single week. You get an opportunity at a vice-captaincy loophole option. And maybe, uh, Rids and Raymond, before we let you go, uh, for AFL Fantasy Coaches, um, most people are probably going to put the vice-captaincy on Patrick Dangerfield. So rather than suggest that for AFL Fantasy, give me somebody else that's a little different that you could put the vice-captaincy on. Rids for you? Uh, Riley O'Brien. <laughs> Yeah, that's different. All right. Uh, what about for you, Ray, man? 
uh, Rory Sloan. Okay, there we go. Appreciate both okay, of I'll your be serious and I'll go break crowd. All right, there you go. Appreciate both of your work. Uh, make sure you do enjoy that uh, for AFL Fantasy Coaches. Look, enjoy round three. I hope everything goes your way. Uh, plenty of great content rolling throughout the rest of your 2019 fantasy footy season. Good luck, and I hope you have your best week of the season so far. Yeah.